AFL Obsessed. It feels good to be back. I took a couple of weeks off for the move, but I'm back at it and ready to talk footy. Bear with me while I try and find the best room and place to record with the change up. It's like having to learn how to mic up all over again. (laughs) As for updates, I know I've touched on life in New York City during the pandemic, and it was definitely a tough six months for Andrew and myself. We went to sign our new lease for the new place, and it was kind of depressy. It felt like it would continue to be just same struggles, different apartment, with the only change of an added balcony. And you do pay a premium to live in the city, and it's hard when you don't get to utilize or really enjoy the benefits of living in such a vibrant place. Obviously, there is a pandemic, so it's kind of tempered by that. So we took a step back to reflect on what we need and what would be best for us in the coming months, and we decided to store everything and go on a little adventure. Well, as much of one as you can go on during a pandemic. So we headed to the southwest U.S. with Colorado as a quick first stop and ultimately Utah for a couple of months. Since we can work remotely, we figured, why don't we? You really don't get the opportunity to leave for an extended period while working and potentially exploring different parts of the country. And the end of summer into autumn is a really enchanting time in the U.S. in different states. And why Utah? Utah for its gorgeous landscape and proximity to national parks and outdoor places, really. So we're trying to make the most of our situation. I know a lot of people have left New York City over the last few months, and we are definitely going back to New York. We're just not there at the moment. Yes, the show is going on the road. (laughs) You might hear some ambient noise while it is, and I'll be sharing some additional details separately, which I'll get more into later. But right now we're focusing on our health, and so far it's been the best circuit breaker and decision we've made in a while. For all my New Yorkers and Victorians on lockdown and elsewhere with restrictions, stay strong and I am here for you. I know how tough feeling socially and emotionally isolated can be. And remember, I'm only an email away if you need to chat. So AFLfootyobsessed at Gmail or AFLobsessed on Twitter and my DMs are always open. So let's get into it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts and where NYC is now before we do a scenery switch up in future. I feel like so much is happening right now in the U.S. and the major news would be the fires. There's a major climate reckoning in the West, it feels like. Fires are raging in at least 10 Western states with California, Washington and Oregon getting hit the hardest. And so far, more than 3 million acres have burned in California alone. And on top of that, the wildfires have currently burned more acres than any year on record. If you've seen any of the photos from the wildfires, they have almost an apocalyptic quality in nature in terms of property with an eerie red-orange sky. And it's very surreal to see the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco lit up the way it has been with the fiery background. And the images and stories are Eerily similar to the experience Australians had in early 2020, where smoke has completely blotted out the sun and it's very hazy. And I know a lot of high temps and fierce winds aren't helping the burn at the moment, but we haven't even hit peak fire season yet. So it's incredibly alarming and frightening. 
As for New York news, the MTA will start fining subway riders $50 if they're not complying with mask-wearing orders on the transit system, and that goes into effect on Monday. And the city will resume indoor dining on September 30th at 25% capacity, ending a six-month ban over COVID concerns. There has been a recovery plan in place for indoor fitness, since that is still not allowed, but it will be at 33% capacity when they do reopen. A lot of fitness places are struggling with paying full rent for space if they're limited to 33% capacity, not to mention all the other expenses that goes into upholding guidelines and the financial hit that they've taken after being closed for six months. So there have been some heartbreaking letters from fitness studios I go to about closing their doors. And it's really sad to think that all of your go-tos in all industries may not be around whatever post-COVID will look like. I think back in March initially, we thought at first we'd just be on lockdown for a few weeks or a month at most. A lot of businesses didn't have the foresight to realize it would last months and would change their industries so extremely that they wouldn't be able to recover. It's crazy, though, to think of all the restrictions placed on Victorians in Australia for as few cases as you have. And meanwhile, the U.S. has surpassed six million cases. So that's kind of like a mind-blowing comparison to me anyway. My heart does go out to all businesses, especially independent and local places that provide diversity of offerings and local culture and that make a place unique or special. There have already been so many iconic places in New York that announced early on their complete closures. And now on to act one with my game highlights for round 16. In the Kangaroos versus Power game, Charlie Dixon and Ollie Wines' goals were amazing, but my fave moment was during the theme song sing when they busted out a drum kit and they sang along with the drummer. So they brought out an esky, I think, kind of like a porta cooler for my Americans with a tom-tom on it and Hamish Hartlett was the drummer. And I honestly just love the spirit of it. I haven't seen quite that much enthusiasm for a win and that twist into making it all your own. So that was a really great highlight after the game. In the Saints versus Hawks game, I think it was the moment when Butler kicked the ball to Jack Billings. And in what is called Billings buzzer beating bender, he had an amazing high kick for goal that really rivaled one of Dusty's goals. In the Cats versus Bombers game, basically all of Tomahawk's goals, I feel like this is a Tomahawk appreciation podcast at times as much as it is like a Nat Fife one, but Geelong has been playing really well, so I wouldn't say that any individual one of those was better than the others. They were all just great. <laughs> in the Bulldogs versus Eagles game, it would have to be Astronauten's mark in the fourth quarter, and immediately the commentators were saying it was a mark of the year and... English has been really great to watch too, marking everything in his direction. So the Bulldogs have been really exciting to watch in these last few games. In the Demons versus the Dockers game, there are probably three moments, I think, from this round. Monday's potential goal of the year, Frederick's split-second kick just before the third-quarter siren was really great, and Viney's kind of grifter grab, which I think he took from Brennan Cox just when he did, like, you know I love those sleight-of-hand, passing-by, almost magician-like moves. 
In the Crows versus Giants game, at the end of the third quarter, Elliot Himmelberg took a mark over his brother, Harry, and I, you know I'm a big fan of his brother, but the other Himmelberg took this amazing mark kind of out of nowhere, and it was just a really great mark if you haven't seen that one. In the Blues versus Swans game, I think my fave moment was at the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, it was such a close game with the rain and Sydney kind of kicking those first seven goals and Carlton coming from a long way back. But it was the kick from 45 out, I would have to say, like Cottrell's kick, which kind of sealed the deal for them at the very end of the game and got the win for Carlton. And he kind of Tarzaned out afterwards. His celebration was really fun to watch, almost like a King Kong move afterwards. I thought that was really exciting and a fun. I like when people do a little celebration dance. So you guys know that I love that so much. And in the Lions versus the Suns game, it's not that nothing really stood out to me, but it really was kind of just a bruising game with hard hits. And it's crazy because it reminds me of a lot of the compilation greatest hits, if you will, where so many people were kind of getting smashed. And it's hard when that's kind of what stands out more than anything else or even more than the marks. But Starcevich, Jared Berry took a hit, Zorko, Mitch Robinson. I think the Connor Butterick one at the end though was probably the worst with his broken collarbone and he's now out for the rest of the season. So those are my highlights for the round. And what were your favorite moments from the round and which game are you most looking forward to for round 17? I can't even believe we're saying that right now and we're so close to the end of the home and away season. But AFL footy obsessed at Gmail and AFL obsessed on Twitter if you want to chat. Okay, so it's intermission. So quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. The NFL started on Thursday. So there was no preseason this year. It was just straight to season. And I don't know if you guys watch the Texans versus the Chiefs. The stats are out now for the numbers that they allowed. And I think it was just at 22%, which was still just under around 17,000 people in the audience, which always makes me nervous when I think of all of our cases. And there was a rare sports equinox that also happened on the same day, a rare event where all major sports leagues and events in the U.S. overlapped. So football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, and the U.S. Open were all played on the same day. And now we're on to Act 2, and this week will be a deep dive footy discussion about a couple of current articles that came out about the AFL hierarchy and what corporate culture has been like. The first article is titled, Leaked Documents Revealed the Full Extent of the Bloated Bureaucracy Inside the AFL, and that was by Michael Warner for the Herald Sun. So sensationalized headline aside, this is the first glimpse we've all had of corporate structure and staffing for the AFL beyond the commission and past presidents. I've always personally been curious about what the hierarchy looked like in the AFL and how many employees worked for them. Obviously, it's an empire and there are different divisions, but I didn't realize that 795 employees worked for the AFL, which means that they employ almost as many workers as the competition has players. And the AFL is a not-for-profit organization, so they don't pay any taxes. Back in the day, apparently, they employed around 100 staff members before the appointment of their chief executive in 2003. 
And in the past, the AFL has refused to disclose how many staff it employs and what the exact breakdown of numbers are. And apparently not even club presidents were privy to this information. So the article actually gave a breakdown of each department and how many employees worked under which division. With accompanied photos and job titles, it was really interesting to see the clarity and how organized all of it was. So it was obviously a leaked organizational chart, but it did reveal, among other things, that they do have eight in-house lawyers, 42 staff in the AFL finance division alone, 26 in strategy, and 10 in the integrity unit, including six ex-Victoria police officers, the last unit being the one that I've always been the most interested in personally. But another 104 are employed at AFL New South Wales, 88 at AFL Queensland, 40 at AFL Northern Territory, and 29 at AFL Tasmania, the majority of which work with local and grassroots competitions in those states, while more than 400 employees actually work at AFL House in Melbourne. So almost 80% of the workforce was stood down in March, from a removed perspective, it's just nice to see. And based on no info, I did assume that maybe there were around a fifth the number of employees of the actual numbers. But it's just really interesting to see the structure overall because it's just been something that I've wondered about. And I know that other people have been curious as well. The second article was also in the Herald Sun. And the title of this article is AFL Bullying. Horror Stories of Boys Club Culture Exposed by Staffer Amid Savage Job Cuts. And that was also written by Michael Warner. So again, more sensationalized headlines or not, this article primarily focuses on the bullying culture that comes from the top. And I feel like so many things are coming to light, especially right now during the pandemic. So Staff Uprising has gone public with a company culture that apparently has been covered up for decades. And state umpiring manager Pierce Field is leading a class action against the league itself. And some of the allegations that I thought were disturbing was that CCTV cameras were installed at the league's Brisbane office and they were used to monitor employee movement. A top league official joked about serious workplace grievances during an all-staff meeting, and a manager prone to volcanic behavior ordered such interesting directives like the removal of all rubbish bins from under staff desks, banning of all jackets from the back of office chairs, and just the banishment of visible power cords, loose papers, and books within his department. So I can't even imagine having to be, I remember the days when I was a cube monkey, I was always cold and I absolutely had to have some kind of a wrap or a scarf or a pashmina or just even like a coat to put on. And I'd always be chilly at work, especially during the summer. And, you know, you can't really help if a power cord is exposed if you don't have the facility or any of the equipment to kind of hide it, especially if work is dictating what kind of desk you have at all. And loose papers, it just sounds really, really hard to work around those rules. And especially if you're being watched too. So Pierce Field has said that AFL workers earning as little as 55K a year were treated like children while senior managers were paid excessively and lavished with lucrative bonuses. And there is a hearing on Monday that will focus on the AFL's alleged failure to consult with staff over the job cuts. 
There's a little bit more to the story and a little bit more about the bullying, but as bad as the info is, I just wanted to highlight that sport is changing now, and I think it's important that we have the transparency about issues like this, especially bullying, and it's important for that info to be exposed, and it's good that we are learning about it in order for the league to move forward. Ultimately, though, I mean, we need changed hearts, not just a response to pressure, but it is important that it is being discussed at all. And now for the curtain call in the spotlight segment, I just wanted to throw some beams on Kelly Underwood, who is an Australian radio and TV sports journalist and sportscaster, and she is known for her pioneering career as a sports broadcaster. Kelly is notable as being the first woman to call an Australian Football League match on television and radio. And there are a lot of female sports hosts, but commentary to me is a really different skill, an area where I feel like female voices are still really rare, and it's completely different to hosting, boundary writing, or just special comments in a commentary box. Those are all really amazing positions. So a little about Kelly. Her career started in South Australia. She worked at a Geelong radio station before moving to 3AW in Melbourne as a sports reporter and AFL match day reporter. And Kelly moved to television in 2006 when she joined Network 10 as a sports reporter out of Melbourne. She also joined their network AFL coverage in 2009 as boundary rider. And in 2009, she made her footy commentary debut on the same network. Kelly made history becoming the first woman to call an AFL match on TV in a game against Geelong versus the Adelaide Crows, and she called her first AFL Premiership season match in July of 2009, the Round 16 match, which just happened, but in 2009, against Geelong and Melbourne. She also spearheaded the coverage of the inaugural AFLW season for Fox Sports. And last week, Kelly returned to the commentary box more than a decade after becoming the first female to call the game. She called the Wednesday night game last week during the second Fox footy frenzy of 31 games in 20 days. And a really fun detail, I thought, was that ABC approached her around the Beijing Olympics in 2008, and they were short of all of their great commentators, and they needed a game called in Sydney. So they called Kelly for that. And Kelly really wants women to have more sport broadcasting opportunities. So here's a little taste of what her calls are like. So to Kelly, we applaud you for your efforts, and we say encore for breaking not legs, but ground in the sport and country. So now it's the after show where I'm going to just add mini details since there is no wrap up this week. I feel like so much has happened during the couple of weeks I was away, but while keeping just one eye on all the action, I mean, there was the Richmond fight with the kebabs. Danaher returned and had a stellar game. McKenna announced his retirement, and there was the announcement of the first night grand final. So that's going to start Saturday, October 24th at 2.30 a.m. Utah time here. So that's going to be a little rough, but I'll be up. 
Oh, and one other thing. I'm starting a newsletter. So if you want to see pictures of me and follow along our adventures during this break from the city, or just read additional backstories that I don't have room for on the pod or didn't quite make it, email me and just say newsletter in the subject line. You don't even have to type anything else. I'm working on a more formal sign up for the future, but I can add you now so you'll get the initial one coming soon. So that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And thanks for hanging around for the show. I really appreciate you, and I'm so excited to continue this journey with you, especially on the road. So stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like footy. I'm virtually hugging you, and we'll talk footy soon.